Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief Chris. I have received a ton of requests about talking about setting healthy boundaries, both as someone in grief and as an advisor helping clients in grief. And I'm talking about basically setting good boundaries so you maintain health during significant transitions and or helping others through transitions. I'm going to draw on my formal training and education as a hospice volunteer with regard to the area of setting therapeutic boundaries. I'm also going to draw on a few personal examples of how I realized my boundaries were becoming violated and or blurred and how I reacted in the spirit of self-preservation. As an individual in grief, you may not necessarily be as astute as you were prior to dealing with that significant transition because you're dealing with the dramatics of a life-altering event. And through some of the examples and information that I'm going to share, my hope is that you develop a baseline of setting therapeutic boundaries. As an advisor, we often overlook making sure we have proper resources in place to mitigate mimicking our clients' grief by being so invested in their lives. And fortunately for me, I have life experience that has forced me to set proper boundaries. Now I'm going to go into a couple of personal examples to kind of give you some clarity of situations that I've dealt with and how I kind of stepped away to maintain my therapeutic boundaries. So the first example was one of my best friends in the world. I got a call from him one day, and it was about the time I got home from work. His mom was in a car accident near my house. You know, fortunately, she wasn't hurt, but I think the car may have been destroyed or too far damaged to where she was able to drive the car home. Basically, the car was inoperable. And again, she wasn't hurt. I happened to be home and I went to go pick her up. It was very close to my house and um, she lived about 15 minutes from my house with uh, my buddy's father, her husband. When I picked her up, I could see that she was a little bit frantic and my goal was to kind of calm her down on the way home. And we had good conversation as I was able to help her calm down on the way home. When we got her home, we were greeted by my friend's father, again, her husband, I could immediately see that there was something wrong. He was pale white and I knew that I needed to, you know, get the professionals, meaning I needed to call the ambulance. He was a very proud man and he said, everything is okay. I'll be fine. And I knew better. I've been down this road before. So I took the initiative and I called 911 and had them come and it ended up he had a heart issue. And I stepped outside when the ambulance got there and I made a phone call to my buddy and I let him know what was going on at his you know, parents' house. And I, I let him know that the situation was serious. My buddy was out of town. That's why he um, asked me to step in his place. So 
I went back inside and I told my buddy's mother that I was going to be leaving and that they were in very, very good hands. And I excused myself from the situation as I knew it was getting to be too close to home and it would harm me in the long run. I felt very comfortable that my buddy's father was in the best possible hands and I made the right decisions. And that was, again, why my buddy had called me. I took solace in the fact that I acted as if they were my own parents and they were that close. Again, my my friend's father was in the best place and en route to the hospital. And that's an example of how I had to step away from the situation. I couldn't stay and see them go off, you know, to the hospital. I just knew that I, I was my boundaries were getting too close and it was going to do me more harm than good, especially being kind of fresh off the situation with both of my folks. In another example, this one involved my father, and this was after my mother had passed away. My father uh, was sleeping in my old room um, in their house. And at this point, he had called me, and I was at work, just kind of give you a little bit of background, and he was shivering in bed, and he was telling me that it was very, very cold, and I could hear it in his voice. It wasn't like he had a cold or the flu or anything like that. It sounded like something different. And again, I was at work, and I was probably about 30 minutes from the house. I called 911, gave them the code to the garage, and asked the paramedics to let themselves in. Again, I was at work and I would have only stressed myself out trying to beat the ambulance, you know, getting to the house. And after my father got to the hospital and got situated, I went to the gym and going to the gym and exercising was my therapeutic zone and my relief. After the gym and a shower, I drove myself to the hospital and going to the gym allowed me to lower my pulse rate, calm down and get ready for the next adventure with my father. And I realized that that was my safety zone and that was my therapeutic boundary. And when I got to the hospital, I learned that my father's cardiac enzymes were elevated, leading to a future heart attack. What I also learned from the situations with my parents was that I must care for the caretaker. And the caretaker in this situation was me. Taking time to care for myself allowed me to be calm in the face of chaos. It also allowed me to make rational decisions. This is something else that I'm going to throw in as well. When you make decisions, when you are the person uh, caring for a situation or the caretaker, other people may strongly judge you. I had family members in this particular situation that had strong opinions that I went to the gym uh, when my father went to the hospital. And they said that you should have been there and you should have done this or you should have done that. I was taking care of Chris and call that selfish or whatever. I, I was called by some family members. I took care of the situation in the best format that I knew how. When I got to the hospital, I was ready to deal with whatever came my way. And uh, there was a lot that came my way and I was ready to deal with it. That was the little bit of solace that I got, you know, in advance of dealing with an emotional tragedy. And so now that I've given some personal examples, let me define some clear um, next steps. I would like to first define boundary, a therapeutic boundary. 
boundaries allow us to take better care of ourselves, both emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and those around us. I got that little excerpt from a website. It's jenniferwardowski.com. And there's also a very, very good book that I've read in the past. It's called Total Leadership by Stuart D. Friedman that details boundaries from a leadership work-life perspective. I'd also like to add that this carries over to basically just your personal life uh, boundaries altogether. And I know a lot of folks when they're working and, you know, they kind of find that that fine line and it's hard to balance that. And I would also say the spirituality is as well. You know, how do you balance work, life and then your spirituality, too? So uh, that's a very good book and I would recommend it. And I think it's uh, very important to recognize your space. I think it is also very important to recognize, you know, if you're an advisor, your client's space. When we violate our space, we are in danger of voiding the benefit we can provide to others and specifically our clients. Some examples that I've been trained on and that I've seen of violating our space would be not understanding our own boundaries. Clearly, from the examples that I set forth before, I know my boundaries. Spending so much time on someone else's grief, or if you're an advisor on a client's grief, that we are emotionally affected. I know when to step away. And I advise advisors to step away and let clients know that you are going to step away because the situation is bringing you down. Not having a positive outlet to release our emotions, which are tied up in a client situation or someone else's situation. Like I expressed, I go to the gym or I exercise um, as a, a positive outlet. Not having a support team to help us through our emotions. Well, I have a strong support team and it kind of starts at the top, my family. You know, I have a very, very strong support system that's gotten me through my personal priest, and I've spoken of a myriad of other folks, you know, my wife, probably first and foremost, and, um, you know, support groups that I've gone to. The inability to say to your client and or I'll just say a friend that you need to step away and refocus, carrying the grief of your client with you beyond the meeting that day or week. And that's a hard one. You know, you feel bad for other people. What I always say is that I have my own life to live and I will always have my own problems. And when I kind of walk out of an interaction with someone else, I am able to separate. And that's a very, very defined skill, but it's been rehearsed over time because I don't want to be a distraction to anyone else that I'm potentially helping. And I know that I will be a distraction if I carry someone else's grief with me. Here are some examples that may increase, you know, an advisor's uh, chance of blurring their boundaries. Breakdown of personal relationships, drug and alcohol abuse, unresolved personal grief issues, mental illness, financial difficulties, and professional isolation. And I'm going to sum up these things with saying that a, if you have a kind of debilitating hardship, breaking down of a personal relationship, you have lost a friend or you've lost a marriage, it makes things harder 
and you may not be able to stand up to those other things that are going on on in your life. It's easier to blur the lines. And that's kind of when your network of friends and family or your ability to have those therapeutic boundaries in place in advance will help greatly. And here's some consequences of poor boundaries. Unable to keep promises and commitments. And that's all the way around. That's whether your friends or your family or your clients. Increasing the burden of grief for yourself and for your client. That's probably the worst thing that you can do is increase the burden of grief for someone else. Becoming a higher risk of ethical and legal ramifications. Again, as I have you know, talked about um, some examples of blurring the boundaries, you're not having those uh, boundaries in place and you may blur those lines. Another one is having a barrier to personal wellness and time management. And so one of the, th- the skills that I developed early on when I knew that my parent situation was going to get worse is I dedicated time to my personal wellness. I also became very effective at time management and I became effective at time management, not because of any grace of my own, but purely due to the fact that I could have been pulled out and I was pulled out without any notice to go tend to anything that happened to my mother or my father. And then this is another consequence of having poor boundaries, the inability to give objective advice. I'm going to give you an example of this one. So you have a husband and wife as an advisor and you get too far in the weeds of understanding the dynamic of whatever goes on between a husband and wife. And let's just say the husband or the wife leans on you. They just feel very comfortable and they lean on you and tell you something that's very personal. And then instead of having your boundaries, if you have poor boundaries in place, you may slight the other spouse. That is not a good thing to do. Having good boundaries would keep your ability to give objective advice in that situation. And so here are, I'm going to give you some examples of maintaining healthy therapeutic boundaries, practicing self-awareness, understanding, you know, when you are reaching a point where you need to step away. Like I described with my buddy's parents early on, have the ability to separate Others' needs, and I'm going to say for advisors, clients' needs from your own. The ability to shut off, basically. Obtain gratification from sources other than clients you serve. Some of mine include exercising, which I talked about before, coaching my boys in sports, watching sports, traveling, spending time with my family, going to church, spending time with my wife alone. Whether it's going on a date or going on a walk, we like to exercise together. So those are some of my outlets and that way I can just completely zone out and focus. And honestly, when I exercise, I, you know, come back refreshed mentally, physically, and I come up with ideas that I normally wouldn't come out, come up with if I'm in the thick of a situation. So, um, I always try to take time away is basically the bottom line there. Another one is attend to personal needs and the development of satisfying personal relationships. 
I continue to put time in to develop my personal relationships with my close network of friends. Those friends support me in times of need. And I don't do that just for the pure fact of them supporting me. I enjoy, I genuinely enjoy the time and energy I put into my personal relationships. And it, it fulfills me. I also set time limits with clients. Very, very important. And, and I don't set time limits just for the mere fact of setting time limits. It's very methodical, especially when I'm working with a client in grief. Because I don't want it to be a session when I'm working with a client to where it's drug out and it doesn't help their situation with grief. I want to you know, set that time limit and then I want to take time to reflect and if I can give them any positive reinforcement after uh, I have left the situation, then I'm able to do so. So exercise. In whatever format or fashion, walking, you know, whatever, I, I always believe the power of exercise. Spending time with friends and or family, and I alluded to, you know, putting time into personal relationships. Having a favorite hobby. I love watching sports. That's, you know, one of my hobbies. And I, you know, am fortunate to have really good friends that like watching sports with me. Spirituality. I put time into my relationship with God as well as my family does. So that is something that is very important to me. Anything else that allows you to recharge in a positive manner. I'm always an advocate for making time for yourself. I don't claim to have all the answers, and I do sometimes get affected by the grief of my clients and or others. However, my experience has taught me that as long as I am constantly maintaining my therapeutic boundaries, I will be able to continue providing the biggest benefit to whether it's a client or whether it's a, a friend that's going through a tragedy. Something else that I wanted to you know, let you know as we are kind of concluding, I am now listed on many of the major podcast sites and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, just to name a few. And I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm very humbled that folks are listening to the podcast and I'm getting good feedback that, you know, it's helping people. And that's my gift. And that was kind of my wish when I started this podcast. So without further ado, I want to say thank you for listening. And if you have any friends or family members who could benefit, please feel free to pass this on. If you have any questions or concerns or, you know, you want to have a future podcast that you'd like me to speak on, please send the information my way. I'd love to hear about it. Thanks and see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to Life After Grief FP. That is Life After Grief FP. The FP is for financial planning.com. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section. And as always, please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. 
Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.